So we're going to talk today about the end time church. Someone say end time church. church. It's good to see everybody here today. I'm happy that you're here. Um, It's good to see um, all of our guests with us. Thank you so much uh, for being here. And uh, if you can, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. We'll go there in just a second, Cassie. Um, How many of you guys believe more than ever that we're in the end times? More than ever before. We, we see the signs. We see all the things taking place. And let me just tell you real quick. Let me encourage you this morning. Now's not the time to play church. Amen. <laughs> Now's not the time to kind of be saved. <laughs> I don't even know if that's possible or not. Right. Either you are or you're not, plain and simple, right? And, 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 but but it's so interesting and so funny because as the time gets closer, what we'll begin to see is even the very elite begin to fall off. Yep. I, I didn't say that. The Bible said that. That's what the Word of God says, right? And so, and so it's really important that we learn together as believers and as a church, right, especially as people that believe in God, that we be as close as we can to Jesus, to focus right in on him, not focus on our surroundings, not focus on all the distractions, not focus on all the things going on in the world, because the world is going to keep spinning and the world's going to keep moving, amen, and things are just going to keep tightening up and things are just going to keep moving forward, things are going to keep just, just, just pressing on according to God's plan and to God's will, and the thing that we have to do as believers is keep our eyes on Jesus, amen. pressing on, pressing through the hardship in the trials. Amen? But we're not going to talk about the end times. I mean, I'm not going to come up here with a, with a, what are you, a felt board? You guys remember those days? Those of you who've been around for a while? The felt board, and we're going to go through the timelines and and all those kinds of things. I mean, we can, we can talk about that. We can sure, sure go that. The, the, the result that will end up at the end of the 42 weeks that we'll study that is Jesus is coming back. Amen. That's, that's what we'll come to the agreement on. And I'm not saying, I'm not negating any of those things. Those things are absolutely important. All those things take place. I, I, I'm totally for that. Gary and I have frequent conversations. Gary Harris and I have frequent conversations on this kind of stuff. And uh, I love it. We send videos back and forward to each other. And we go, hey, guess look what I found. <laughs> and uh, it's great. I love talking about that. But we're not going to talk about the timelines and all those kinds of things. We'll make reference to those from time to time during this, the next three to four weeks of how we're going to unfold this. But here's the most important thing, at least that I can find from Scripture, that I want to encourage you with here this morning. Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44, it says this, Jesus is talking, and he says, about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating. All of you guys eat, right? People were eating, drinking. I want to ask if all y'all drink. Bunch of alcoholics. I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. People were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So in other words, we're going to be going about our normal day lives. 
You'll be going to work. You'll be doing this. You'll be doing that. Stuff in the world's gonna keep spinning. Technology's gonna keep advancing. All the things are gonna happen. And the goal of the enemy is to lull the church asleep, to not put a reminder in our hearts that the Son of Man is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. Amen? Moving on. Verse 40, two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Two men walking up a hill. One dis- you guys remember that song? Yep. One, Larry Norman. I don't know how I remember that name. <laughs> Verse 42, Jesus says, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. When you do not expect him. No one ever plans for your house to be broken into. Been watching some cool YouTube videos on that kind of stuff. There used to be an old uh, TV show called It Takes a Thief. You guys remember that TV show? Uh-huh. And, and, and this thief, professional thief would come on and the TV was centered around him on what, what he would do as a thief to enter to your home. You know, this is where we, I learned not to leave your snow shovels outside because they could take the snow shovel and break a glass window or X, Y, Z, those kinds of things. And don't put on a rock key under the rock. <laughs> don't, don't put it. How's my son going to know the keys under the rock? Well, just tell him, don't state it, okay? <laughs> no one ever plans for the house to get broken into. You just, it just happens. In the middle of the night, usually around 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, I've had my car broken into at about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, I left all my doors unlocked, right in the middle of Springfield, Illinois, in the city. <laughs> right? So I couldn't blame anybody but myself. You know, of course, when you're 40, you think you're invincible. Mm-hmm. I just like, it was when I was 40 years old, <laughs> but not too long ago. And uh, they got my backpack, they strung it all along my driveway and uh, took my wallet, took everything. And the cops later on found all of my stuff from one street all the way to the other street. And it was just strung out. They didn't take anything. They didn't take, all they took was some change. It's too bad for them. There was only about seven cents in my ashtray, right? (laughs) That's all they needed, I guess. And uh, that's all they took. But I didn't plan for that to happen. It came as a surprise. And let me encourage you here this morning that that's how Jesus will come back. Jesus will come back when we're least expecting him, when we don't know when he's coming back. Therefore, we have to be ready for his return. We have to be ready for his return, amen? See, we have to understand that when Jesus Christ died, he resurrected on the third day, which we're getting ready to celebrate in the next few weeks. The timeline began. He punched the clock called the end times. That's how we can confidently say that we're, on the, that we're in the end times. And that time clock has been going faster and faster through the history of our lifetime, history of our world. It's going faster and faster and faster and faster. And before you know it, one day, when we least expect it, that time clock will hit zero. 
And God the Father will say, okay, Jesus, get them. Get them. And then those who are ready, those who are expectant, will hear the trumpet sound and will be caught up in the air with those who have gone and passed away. See, I think a lot of churches don't preach this very much anymore because they don't understand, like we don't really understand everything. I'm not here to tell you about everything we don't understand. I'm here to tell you the things that are in scripture. Be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. I would be doing you disservice if I did not say to you, Jesus Christ is coming back and you do not want to be left here on this earth way after he returns. Because after that, it's tribulation, baby. It's everything that you can expect that we thought, and even worse. Amen. I stayed with a guy one time in Phoenix during my, my college years and master's commission. And he told me, he says, he said, it was so funny, it was back in 1997. He said, God's will for me is to be left here so I can help people survive. I went, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. His name was Bear Grylls. No, I'm just fine. His name was Bear <laughs> So this message and the next few messages aren't about if Jesus is coming back for his church. That's a given, right? I mean, what we got to do is just take a minute and just look around us. Sin has become appropriate in our world. We've accepted everything. And everything that's righteous, we say no to. Everything that's right. And even the church has grown lukewarm and cold towards sin. We've grown lukewarm and cold to the things God calls unrighteous and sin, and yet we accept it and say, this is just how it's going to be. Let me tell you, that's not how it should be, and that's not how it's going to be, because Jesus Christ is coming back for a pure, spotless bride again. Obviously, all the wars and rumors of wars, I just read this morning that our American consulate got attacked with a missile in Iran. Or from Iran. I don't, again, I'm not a historian. I don't know all the things. Of course, we can believe everything in the media these days. All we have to do is look. Look around us. It's pretty apparent that Jesus is getting ready. Amen. But this message in the next few messages... It's about the church's responsibility before he comes back. What the end time church should be aware of and flowing in before he comes back. This is about us. What do we do? Who are we supposed to be? What is our identity supposed to be moving forward? What is our identity supposed to be? How are we supposed to respond to these things? Because you and I have a responsibility in these end times to Live as if Jesus Christ were on this earth today. Amen. That's our responsibility. That's right. See, what I think is happening is God is preparing his church in boldness. Someone say boldness. boldness. Power, Power. And intestinal fortitude. That means guts. <laughs> to do the work of the ministry in our everyday lives until he returns. If you've, been, if you've grown used to just coming to church waiting for the pastor to feed you and then go home and never change, those days are gone. The shift has happened. And here's how you can tell. is because when we sit there and we go, I'm just not getting fed at church anymore. Eh. 
look, the shift has taken place. The shift has happened. It's moved from just somebody coming to you with the word and preaching to you. No, it's time for you to live the word now. It's time for us as believers in Jesus Christ, not just pastors, not just people who are these people who are credentialed in ministry, not just the ones who think they know it all, right? But you, 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 you. It's time for us to move in the power and the boldness and the intestinal fortitude that Jesus Christ has given us to live in in these days. God is moving us not just to believe to see. I'm so over. We're just believing God for revival. We're just believing God to move. No, 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 church. Listen, we have to stop believing to see, and we literally have to see. Because revival is not just coming. Revival is here. Yes. Yes. Open your eyes. Open your heart. Open your mind. Open your spirit to what God is doing. And you will quickly see that as the time returns for him to come back, that the church will grow in boldness, Power and intestinal fortitude. You'll begin to see it. So we're going to write a chapter. I believe the church in general is going to write a chapter in the history. In this history that will be remembered for eternity in heaven. Just like the days of the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. Don't you? See, I believe this is why fear has become such a rapid disease in our culture today. That's true. Afraid of this, afraid of that, afraid of offending, afraid of getting upset, afraid of a disease. And listen, I'm not here to bash on anybody or anything or any ideologies on that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is just simple truth, that we cannot lead by fear. Amen. We cannot move and we cannot walk in fear anymore. We can't do it. Right, Because I would even suggest to you this morning that if your life is walking in fear, fear of whatever it may be, that these end times, these things that we're going to go through, these times that were Jesus Christ before he comes back, it's going to be more, it's going to be harder for you to live as a Christian in these times. That even the very elite will fall away because of fear. See, fear is something that keeps us away from the promises and the purposes of God. If you're led by fear, again, I'd suggest that it'd be more detrimental to you in these times. Because, hear me, we can't go into the next phase of what our world is turning into uncertain in our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. We can't afford it. We can't do it. We're here for you. The church is here for you. We're going to lift you up. Amen. We're going to encourage you. But at some point in your relationship with God, you've got to start walking. You've got to start moving forward. You've got to start taking steps. Some of us have been stuck in the same place forever, for way too long, going, God, how come you don't hear me? God says, how come you haven't moved? Amen. God, you don't answer my prayers. He says, I'm just waiting for you to take a step. I'm waiting for you to do what I've asked you to do. Don't worry about me. I'll take care of you. Right? What are we going to do? See, what we're experiencing today is the same that happened back in the 60s. I wasn't alive in the 60s, but who was alive in the 60s? Oh, yeah. I'm holding it down for our 70 babies, baby. Let's go. The groove machines. Right? 70s, man. 
I'm not talking, I'm, I'm like at the tail whip of 70s. Like I'm 1976. But let's peel back the curtain a little bit on what God is preparing as he did in the 1960s. There was a movement called the Jesus People Movement. That's right. And it was called the JPMs. That's what they called it. So they tagged it at. I know that because I read it on the internet. <laughs> right? Called the JPMs. Hashtag JPM. Power to the people. I'm going to read you a little bit of history about the Jesus People Movement back in the 60s. Just let me ask real quick. How many of you guys were saved during the Jesus People Movement? How many of you guys came to know Jesus during the Jesus People Movement? Yeah. It's a good time. It is estimated that many young people were disappointed with the Christian religion and pursued a free-spirited lifestyle. For social architects, the 60s, in many ways, experienced a social revolution. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It was marked by the rise of television, radio, drugs, and a wave of music that came in forms of different genres. Motown, R&B, surf rock, psychedelic rock, hard rock, folk rock, and protest music. Man, I'm down on through. Ooh, the red, white, and blue. The generations of the 60s rejected traditional values and preferred to live life without restrictions. During that time, there was also tremendous protests against racial injustice. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And civil rights movement was instrumental in pointing out the destructive sin of racism. Political instability increased with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? There was also great disillusionment as things turned violent with assassinations. Vietnam riots and protests, and many people felt society was coming apart. Man, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Another takeaway is that amidst global turmoil, I love that they use the word global turmoil. Because when we look in today's world, wouldn't you like kind of identify as, what's going on in our world? Right? What's happening? Amidst this global turmoil and social distancing between humans and God, large numbers of youth were being called to intimacy with Jesus Christ. These young people became the leaders of the next generation of the Christian advance and the resurgence of U.S. evangelicalism. Billy Graham, in his book, The Jesus Generation, wrote that he was convinced that the Jesus Revolution was making a profound impact on the youth of America. Graham's remarks reaffirm that church community to have confidence in God's faithfulness, to carry out our missional mandate, and to invite the Holy Spirit's empowerment over our lives to fulfill God's plans in our world. That's the Jesus People Movement. It was during a time of turmoil. It was during a time of uncertainty. It was during a time where everything went. The sexual revolution was the norm. Whoever you want to, however you want to, whenever you want to. Free love. Anybody remember those? Right? 
do whatever you want. It just, it just began to turn. It just began to turn. But God had a plan in the 1960s that he would pour out his spirit upon people. Right, and what I've what I've what I've come to understand after talking to a few people, it wasn't like it wasn't like there was this bang and then God just did something. No, it was in the work of people, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, young people and people all over the nation just began to just share their love and their faith with Jesus. It was no big deal for people to be standing out on the street. It was no big deal for people to be on the sidewalk. It'd be no big deal for people to go to the, to band camps. It'd be no big deal for people to go to the parks. It'd be, it'd be no big deal for any of this stuff to happen. Right, And that's how the gospel began to spread. Not, not, not by the Holy Spirit just going bang, but by the Holy Spirit bang inside of our hearts. Yeah. Inside of your heart. Yes. Come on. Yeah, I, I got saved during that time. It was somebody, I was at a restaurant. Right, This is what I've heard. I was at a restaurant. Someone come, out, someone come up to me and ask me, do I know who Jesus Christ is? See, boldness. Power. In intestinal fortitude were the three things that identified the Jesus people movement. And let me tell you, that's resurging again in our nation and in our culture amongst believers. And I see this happening again. A revolution of his power and spirit. But this time, it's different. God doesn't want to re resurrect yesterday's, yesterday's revival. Come on, somebody. If all we do is camp out right over here, if all we do is say, if we can only have it the way that it was, we're going to miss what God wants to do over here. Amen. We're going to miss it because we want what we had over here. Let me tell you, God's not there anymore. God is over here now. He's over here. What are we going to do to take steps forward to move with that? What are you going to do? We're going to go, if only we could just have it like the way that it was before. Listen, God doesn't want that anymore. He wants you to transform into his image. Amen. He wants you to transform in the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your hearts and your life. Because you can't pour the new wine into an old wineskin. You have to have a new wineskin. Because if you don't have a new wineskin, whatever God decides to pour out, and you try to put it in the old paradigm... What's going to happen is that new wine is going to pour out. It's going to burst everywhere. It's going to spoil everything. Amen. Nope. Listen, church. Our responsibility is to position ourselves for the new. Our responsibility is to position our hearts to say, God, I don't want what yesterday had. I want what you have now and what you're planning on doing yes. next. Amen. The biggest hindrance for the next move of God is the former one. See, he's not after another Jesus people movement. He's after a Jesus movement. Just you. The point is this. The conditions are here and they're ripe for a move of God like they were in the 60s during that time because resistance will always breed revival. Someone say that with me. Resistance will always breed revival. I was sitting in our team meeting about three or four weeks ago, and we were talking about all the things going on in our world. This is right at the beginning stages of uh, Russia attacking Ukraine. 
we were kind of just walking through it, and the Lord dropped this in my heart. And he said, Jake, resistance breeds revival. Resistance breeds revival. I wrote it down on my notepad. I took it back to my office. And for the last several weeks, I've just been praying into this. What does that mean? Resistance breeds revival. All the conditions, all the things that are going on in our world, all the things that are happening, everything that's taking place right now is positioning us for the greatest move of God I believe this generation will ever see. Amen. And hear me, church. We have to stop whining and complaining about what's going on. Yes. Because it ain't doing anybody any good. Amen. Sitting around our coffee tables thinking of all the solutions for the world. <laughs> no. I'm not telling you not to have an opinion. I'm not telling any of that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is this. It's time that you and I become the royal priesthood that he's chosen us to be. Woo! That we begin to walk in that kind of power, that kind of authority, that kind of intestinal fortitude. Wow. Let me tell you, demons should know my name. Amen. Right. Ah. Preach it. We used to have a t-shirt. I should have wore it, Kristen. We had a t-shirt back in master's commission in college that says, demons know my name. Mm -hmm. Big, bold letters. We also had another one that said, Satan sucks. <laughs> I should have wore that one. <laughs> Pastor wearing that shirt for her. So offensive. When we wake up, when we go about our day, not because of anything we've ever done, not because we pray more, not because we fast more, not because I memorize scripture more, not because I read my Bible more, because of whose I am. Amen. Because I am his, I'm his child. And because I'm his child, demons should know your name. Yes. Yes. You should walk around with that same power, the same idea, the same passion to see the kingdom of God advance as he did while he was here on earth. The same passion, the same power, the same intestinal fortitude as those young believers did in the Jesus people movement. Now's the time to see that all kind of research and God's gonna begin to use you to do it. Yeah. <gasps> Revival is the call for the end time church. So what's revival mean? According to your Webster's Dictionary, it says revival is an act or an instance of reviving. Wow. <laughs> I think I can write the dictionary. <laughs> Here's another good one. It's the state of being revived. Thanks, Webster. Here's the definition that I like. It's a renewed attention. A renewed attention to or an interest in something. Yeah. It's a renewed attention to or an interest in something. What does revival do? Well, it renews your attention to something. It renews your attention to something. So let's recount, let's recount the story of Jesus here for a moment as we get in to resistance breeds revival. So here's Jesus, 33 years young, dies on the cross, became sin, so that way you don't have to 
be subject to sin any longer. You guys tracking with me? He's on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Guy spears him in the side. Father turns his face. Right? All of that stuff happens. And then he dies. They put him in the tomb. What happens during those three days is he took back the keys of authority from the evil one, from Satan himself. The keys of death, hell, and the grave. Then on the third day, he rose again from the dead. Nobody came and had a prayer for him. Nobody says, in Jesus' name, in your name, we just ask you to come back to life. No, it was the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead because God was raised by a spirit. Now that, according to the word of God, dwells inside of you. I don't think we really understand that verse very much because we have a lot of powerless Christians walking around still dealing with the same things they've been dealing with for a long time. Listen, you are not that person. You are a resurrected believer in Jesus Christ. You are a resurrected being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's who you are. Jesus resurrected. Then Jesus, being as cool as he is, visited with people for about 40 days after his resurrection. Can you imagine that? Sitting there, crying. Oh, man, Jesus died. And walks Jesus through the wall. Do not cry. I am here. He said, you got any fish? (laughs) Jesus. Look, if you're boarding your relationship with God, it's just because you're not close to the Father. So Jesus gives a great commission, right? So he's visited with people, goes to the mount, and he's talking to these people. I believe there was more than 120, but we're going to cite the 120, Okay? He gives his great commission to these people. He says, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, baptize those in my name, win the lost, disciple, all those things. Okay? Gives his great commission. He says, you now have the authority that I have because I defeated death, hell, and the grave. Now those same keys I give to you. Go and do all these things. Then he said this. Oh, and by the way, I want you to go wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit that I'm gonna give to you. I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we're gonna pick up the story in Acts chapter one, verses seven through eight. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? You will receive power. I keep referencing my master's commission days because we had a teacher there that every time he said the word power, he'd go, power. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So let's do that. You will receive power. That word power there is the Greek word for dunamis, which means dynamite. You're not going to receive, like, a little bit of power. No, you're going to receive Nuclear bomb power. To do what? To be my witnesses. Then he instructed the 120 to go and wait. So the 120 wait, went, to the, went back to Jerusalem, found an upper room, and they waited. They did exactly what Jesus asked them to do. They waited. They prayed. They worshiped. Oh, and they had a business meeting. 
Because that's what Christians do best. We pray, we worship. We've got to be doing something. Uh, uh, let's, let's pick the other disciple, because Judas, like, obviously he did a bad thing. And we need to pick the other, so they cast lots for the next disciple. Right? And they waited there roughly seven to ten days, scholars say, after the instruction of the Holy Spirit came and fell on people. Now, let me just pause right there and say this. Most of us are so conditioned to ask God for a prayer for him to be our microwave to give it right to you. Maybe God doesn't want to give it to you right now. Maybe he wants you to wait for it. Yep. Yep. Pastor, I don't understand that. See, God is in the waiting game. Why? Because waiting develops trust. <coughs> waiting develops. It weeds out the people. It's just kind of like the story when Jesus did the, 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 turn the wine, turn the water into wine. You guys remember this? Mm-hmm. When was it? At the very end of the wedding, wasn't it? Yep. Because it wasn't until the very end where the best wine was served. And let me just tell you, as Jesus prepares to come back to get us, the best wine is being prepared to be served here in this world. So Peter gets up. First of all, Holy Spirit came. (laughs) Holy Spirit came, and then the Bible says, then suddenly, suddenly, I love that word, suddenly, all of us are waiting. All of us are, are like asking God for suddenly in our life, but most of us don't want to put in the wait for the suddenly to happen. See, what waiting does is it prepares us for the suddenly to happen in your life. Amen. Right? And then all of a sudden, boom, suddenly, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit came in and fell on those people. Peter gets up, begins to preach, and then the resistance started happening right then and there. People walking by going, man, these people are drunk with wine. Yep. It's only, not a, I can't believe, what's going on? Peter says, hey, hey, hey. He says, hey, these people aren't drunk with wine as you suppose. These people are, these people are, are filled to the brim with the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. The promise. They're filled with the promise. What are you filled with? The promise. What are we filled with? See, because you can't have complaining and whining live in the same jar as the promise. Help us, Jesus. Now, this is where it gets good. So after that happened, the church was in a movement. Signs, wonders, and miracles were happening all the time. All the time. The Bible says that people were being added to the church daily. But listen to this. That was only in Jerusalem. That's the only place that was happening. Was in Jerusalem. That's it. Wasn't it happening? What Jesus said was going to happen in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Hadn't quite happened yet, right? right? It was just happening in Jerusalem. People were being added in. The church was growing in Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem. Things were going on. And isn't it like God to put you in a place of comfort and peace where things are really going, so that going good, so that way you can build your trust in him, and then all of a sudden something happens to shake your faith? Isn't it just like God for that to happen? Right? The thing that you least expect happening, the doctor report that comes down the pike, the, the, the thing that you didn't think that was going to happen actually happened, right? You, you get to this moment where everything's going really good, and then boom, something takes place, and you go, oh my gosh, what's going on? This is exactly what happened in the book of Acts. Yeah. Resistance is about ready to breed true revival. And something happened 
Something very powerful and very intentional happened from God. About five years after the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room that shifted the move of God. My hero in the Bible preaches the gospel to some pretty religious people. His name is Stephen. Mm -hmm. Guys tracking? Or Stefan, if you got your fancy pants on. (laughs) You can go Stephen or you can go Stefan. (laughs) See, the true test and the intention of the church was about to be played out. So make a long story short, they murdered Stephen, these religious people did, for speaking and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was the first, he was the first who died for the gospel. Saul was there. He picked up the mantle of persecution and then persecution broke out against the church. Now listen, the church hadn't spread until now. Persecution hit the church and the believers ran to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Not because of a great plan, but because of resistance. Resistance bred revival. They didn't start preaching the gospel. These people who went to Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of the earth, they didn't start preaching the gospel. They didn't start baptizing believers. They didn't start fulfilling the Great Commission because of what was happening, no. They began to even go even further because they understood that this is something that God had planned. This is something that God had said so that way we can go out and they begin to preach the gospel even more. They begin to spread. Let me tell you, the church, we thought they had it good in Jerusalem, but they didn't exactly really know what was about ready to happen because when this happened, revival spread like wildfire all over the region, all over the country. Amen. It's the reason why you, are, you and me are here today is because people didn't just fight against resistance. No, they went and they preached the gospel in the face of resistance. Amen. From town to town, city to city, the church grew. It expanded not because of great advertisement, but because of great adversary. Now we fast forward to the church in 2022, and here we are. I can feel it in the air, can't you? I can sense it all around me. The great resistance is here. Resistance to what? Resistance to the move of God. Resistance to God himself. And Jesus, his love and his power. Resistance to his purposes and his plans for your life. Let me tell you, church, it won't be long until we see a total turn on Christianity. It's not to bring fear to you. It's just a reality that we're living in. It won't be long until we see a total turn on Christianity. And so what are we going to do about it? We're going to bow to the environment of our culture? Or will we rise in his power and his might? Will we fulfill the Great Commission? Because that never had an amen to it. The Great Commission is for me. And the Great Commission is for you. To walk, to live, to move in. Let me just tell you. Revival is at the cusp breaking out in our nation. There's pockets of it happening all over the place. Not even vouch to say that right here in good old southern Wisconsin. This it's happening here right now. Come on. See, it's not going to come through another conference. 
if I could just go to that conference, then I know I can get touched. It's not gonna happen just with another meeting. You know, pastor, if we had more nights of just yeah, then I know God will move. It's not gonna happen with just another meeting. It's not gonna happen. And the place is called stadiums all across the world, although it's gonna get there. But if we wait for those things to happen, we're gonna miss what God is doing now. Remember, a lot of us camp right here how it used to be. God saying, will you come over here with me already, Israelites? Hey, the, the smoke left, man. The fire by night, it's gone. You're gonna stay over there? Go ahead, you can stay there. You won't enter to the promised land that's over here. Amen. You won't, it's okay, I'm patient with you, right? But make no mistake about it, God will move with or without you. Amen. It's not gonna happen with the man who knows a lot. We'll just wait for the professional pastors and preachers to tell us what's going on, nope. It's not gonna happen in another place or another area. I think we fall into this trap so many times, believers. If I can just go to another state where, where they really accept God. I see it all the time when I used to go to church conferences all the time. They'd go, man, God's really moving to Texas, man. We're going there, Woohoo! You know, we need to go to the Bible Belt, you know, because that's where things, let me tell you, it ain't gonna happen in another place. It's gonna happen right here, where the bluffs are beautiful and the cheese is chewy. <laughs> right here, in good old southern Wisconsin. You wanna know why? Because of you. Because of me, because of you. It's not gonna happen like it what did it before. Like it did in Brownsville, like it did in Toronto, like it did in all these places. God's not there anymore. He's over here. And he's saying, will you be the one where I can allow revival to work through? Will you be the one to say, yes, God, this is me. This is my calling. This is my destiny. Yeah, I know you work your job. I get it. I know you work in a place where everyone's not a believer. I understand that. I get it. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. But resistance breeds revival. Hallelujah. This ain't no joke to me. Why? Because God wants to bless you and he wants to use you. You and your family and your generations after you. To see the movement of God continue to advance in this area. And advance, advance in your life. Advance in your homes. Advance in your families. Listen, what was destined for you before is not the destiny I prophesy now that's just going to be in there. You may have bad kids now, but let me tell you, your generations will follow Jesus Christ. Why? 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 Because right now, you're making a decision to say, you know what, God? I'm ready, man. I'm ready to walk in the power, in the love, in the intestinal fortitude of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're gonna get resistance. It's gonna happen. But resistance breeds revival. He ain't done yet. He's not done yet. He's not done with you. Come on, why don't we go and stand as we close?
If you want this, ha, if you want this, you're saying, yeah, man, take me, Jesus. <laughs> Thank God you don't gotta be perfect or professional, amen? amen. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. You're gonna cast out demons. Come on, somebody. You're gonna advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're gonna win the lost. You're gonna disciple people. You're gonna lead people to Jesus. You're gonna usher in the next move of God. You, you, you. Why? Because God chose you to do it. Right in your mix, right in your mess. And I'll say this here right now, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, today, right now, is the time you need to get to know him. Right now is the time you need to commit yourself to him. If that's you and you don't know who Jesus is and you wanna know him, you wanna commit and submit your life to him, just raise your hand real quick, put it right back down. Come on, let me see your hands real quick, come on. Don't be ashamed, <laughs> look. Look, enough of this. If you're comfortable, just go ahead. No, 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 look. They're not doing that in the church underground. If you're comfortable, just raise your hand. Nope, nope, no, we're done with that. We're done with that business. If you want Jesus, if you wanna change your life, if you wanna commit yourself to him, even if it's based out of, I don't even wanna miss going to heaven. Even if it's based out of that, now's the time to get it right. Now's the time to get it right. Not tomorrow, not next day. You better evaluate your heart and your life because before you know it, when you least expect it, Jesus is coming back. Come on, if that's you, raise your hand. Say that's me. Good. One. Anybody else? Come on. Come on. Two. Good. Thank you. Who else? Three. Thank you. Now, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something else. Oh, no, Pastor, don't make me do it. I'm going to ask you to come step out and come right over here by me. Come on. Come on. If somebody next to you raise their hand, grab them with you and bring them up here with you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Who's bold enough to do it? Come on. Who's bold enough to do this? Come here, man. Come here. Let me have some of my prayer, my ministry partners come up here. Come on. Come on. If that's you, come on. Come on, if you saw somebody raise their hand, bring them up here. Ain't no time to play around. This ain't no time to play around. Ha, yeah. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. There's nothing you can do to not make him love you any less. He loves you because of you, because of who you are. Because you're his child, you're his son. In Jesus' name, everyone together. And if you didn't come up here, it's okay. We love you. So does God. This is your time still. It's your time still. Everyone repeat this after me out loud, especially if you raise your hand. Say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Today, I commit everything that I am to you. My good and my bad. It's all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody shout. Now, if you need just the Holy Spirit just to rest upon you, he's floating around right now, I can see it. 
If you need him right now just to, to fall upon you like it did in the upper room, you just raise both of your hands right now. And you can't say, I'm good, Pastor. It's, it's okay. I'm cool. I don't need that. No, this is for you, for every single believer in this place right now. We ain't playing around. We're going to the next place. We're transitioning. We're breaking down the walls of religion and tradition, and we're moving forward. Come on, in Jesus' name. Just ask him right now. Fill, fill, fill right now, Holy Spirit. Fill right now, Holy Spirit. Right now, in Jesus' name. Feel it right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Come on. You want to know he's real? Dive in. You want to know he's real? Dive in. You want to know he's real? Come on in Jesus' name. Hey. Holy Spirit, rest. Rest. Rest upon us. Rest upon us, Jesus. Rest upon us. We will walk in your righteousness. We will move in your word. Father, we will go in boldness and in power and in, 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 in intestinal fortitude with guts. God, in our hearts, we will not be offended. God, we will walk upright, Jesus, because this is the end time church. God, this is the end time church. This is the end time church. I am the end time church. I am the end time church. We will see revival in our nation, in our country, in our region, in our homes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, you are awesome. We thank you. In Jesus' name.